afterlife. They have come for me in my blasphemy, and they are getting closer. I know this place. These trees are near my home, and yet so different somehow. They can offer me no safety, nor solace. I plunge headlong, mindlessly, through the thick woods. Home is farther and farther from me with each panicked stride, but the demons stand between me and that place of solace. I am spinning, lost and confused by trees that I no longer remember. The branches move too slowly out of the way, marking my face and clawing at my eyes. The trees suddenly part, and I run headlong into the demon's encampment. Four of the revolting creatures have their backs to me as I slide noisily to a halt. The demons are tearing at the flesh of a red-haired scholar, his arms and legs spread wide and staked to the ground. Books and parchment scrolls lie shredded and scattered about. The haggard scholar looks up calmly from the tortured scene. Would you be so kind as to help me, he says in a quiet, patient voice, despite the terror filling his eyes. Please make them stop. The demons follow the scholar's gaze. Only my own life concerns me. I leap at once, back into the woods, fleeing, heedless of my direction. Somewhere behind me the demons scream, spurred into the hunt by the prospect of easy quarry. I hear their panting behind me. I sense the excitement in their squealing voices. They have caught me before, at other times and in other places, but not tonight, I swear, not tonight. The trees, enjoying the sport, now point the way for me, doing their best to come to my aid. But the rocks underfoot are friends to the demons, and one trips me in my headlong flight. I tumble painfully, rolling across the uneven ground. Fear conquers my pain, and, panicked, I push myself up from the dirt. I can see them now. The metal that they wear flashes dully in the starlight. Their steel eyes stare unblinking as they bound through the underbrush toward me. Their skin, too, is green, e even in the faint light of the stars. Their smell is an outrageous offense. Their long knives are drawn, dripping from the rending of a previous soul. They clang their blades against their armor as they approach. Hideous grins split their faces. My feet struggle to find purchase in the dirt beneath me. Time stretches thin into an eternity. My legs will not move as they should. My body does not respond. The ground slides beneath me. The demons rush forward, their screams echoing through the forest. A massive vine suddenly lunges from the trees, wrapping around me. It, it jerks me upward, snatching me from the demon's outstretched claws and flinging me into the air. I tumble slowly through the night sky, and then... I'm rolling gently into a meadow. No, not just a meadow. It is the meadow. The place where Bakita and I come on holiday afternoons. It, it is the stolen place. The secret place. The one place in the entire world that we claim as our own. If not indeed, then, with our hearts. I drink in its peace. Aching to keep frozen this moment forever, but the moment does not last. The demons are already at the edge of the clearing. I flee once more, desperate to get to the falls that I know are beyond the far tree-line. My breath, labored and hollow, rattles in my ears with each thunderous beat of my heart. The rushing of water calls me from beyond the trees. I heed its tumbling voice, weaving through the dark shadows of the forest at full gait. I can feel the heat of my pursuers on the back of my neck and taste their cloying stench. Cold, steely eyes still burn behind me. The chatter of their enraged voices rises with my every panic stride. A silence descends like a thunderclap. The eyes, 
and the voices that are always at the edge of my mind have vanished. The peace is more unnerving than the pursuit. My rushed footfalls stutter to a stop. I stand gulping air at the top of the falls. My breath smooths out and my heart slows as I gaze into the river. The water rushes fast on my left. There is movement in the water now. Laughing, graceful spirits dancing across the rocks. I smile timidly at them, and they smile back, waving their lithe arms, beckoning me. I watch their passage down the river until they leap gleefully from the crest of the waterfall, sparkling down the cliff face. They smash against the rocks below, shattering into smaller versions of themselves. Hundreds and then thousands of them caught up in the foam. They rush among the rocks and then drift out into the still waters of Miran Bay to the south. A gentle breeze fills my nostrils, carried inland from the sea. From my high perch atop the falls cliff, my eyes follow the shoreline eastward beyond the river and the falls there, cradled in the gentle crest of the beach, are the glowing lights of Ben and Village. My village. And the only home I know. Strands of smoke curl up from the chimneys of the town, weaving together toward the uncaring stars. The town sleeps deeply, secure in its slumber and oblivious to any world beyond its boundary wall. I wonder at the peace that resides here, surrounded by a world infested with demons. The hair on the back of my neck rises. I know that she is near. I turn slowly to my right to face her, at once both dreading and longing for her visage. Across the river, at the head of the falls, floats a woman on translucent wings. I have seen her a thousand times before. Her dark, delicate features are achingly beautiful. Her large, almond-shaped eyes gaze at me, through me, with curious questioning. Her hair is pulled sharply back from her oval face. Blue strands, two at each temple, are the only coloration in her otherwise brilliantly white hair. Her skin is dark yet lustrous, her features exotic, yet it is her wings that are the most astonishing, long and intricate opalescent wings like a butterfly that float her above the common ground. They beat slowly, as though they were moving through water rather than air. The river separates us. I speak to her, as I have a thousand times before. Who are you, dear lady? Why are you here? Her eyes narrow with effort. Her smile dims slightly. Do you understand me? I speak my words through a forced calm, desperate to be understood. Can you hear me? She blinks and opens her mouth to speak. It is happening again. I brace myself for what is coming. The woman's voice drifts over the river as a song, and the water stops at its sound out of awe and wonder. The wind holds its breath. Even the stars cease to blink in the night sky. The song moves through me, ringing in my mind and bones. I have heard the song before, but a thousand repetitions could never prepare me for the reality of it. The beauty of its sound shatters my being. The undeniable honesty of its feeling and passion overwhelms my mind with its grace and truth. Tears well up, unbidden in my eyes from the joy and the feeling of ultimate loss, for I am small compared to this truth. The woman stops her singing. She watches me weep, and a depthless sorrow fills her visage. 
A great glistening tear falls from her eyes and into the waters of the river. The spirits of the river, now freed from the sound of her voice, see the tear as it falls. In a sudden frenzy, they fight one another for the tear as it melds into the waters, now once more rushing to the sea. I fall to my knees, weeping at the loss of the voice, wishing it would go on forever, rebounding in my soul. Pardon me. A human voice here? I leap to my feet in fright at the sound. My heart pounds once more as I turn. Blinking through my tears, I confront a young man wearing the robes of a peer monk, an inquisitor by the purple trim. The robe is slightly too large to fit well on his thin frame. The priest's light blonde hair is wispy and short, cut in the rough manner of the draconic orders. His long face seems the longer for the turned-down corners of his mouth, and his pale blue eyes examine me suspiciously. Do you understand me? the Inquisitor asks, his words coming slowly. I nod, my mouth suddenly dry. I force my breath in and out, desperate to control my fear. Who are you? the monk asks sharply. The question strikes me as ludicrous, and I laugh nervously. What do you mean, who am I? This is my dream, my nightmare. You should know whose dream you are in. The monk arches his eyebrows in astonishment. Your nightmare? It's my dream you are in, not the other way about. The statement takes me aback. I gape at him, unsure how to respond. He continues to watch me. I'll tell you what, I say, carefully, after some thought. What if we're both in someone else's dream? The Inquisitor blurts out a laugh. He tries to stifle it, but this only causes him to laugh all the more.